September 4th through September 10th was Suicide Prevention Week. Listen while Celie Walton and Greg Meyer, Dean of Community Wellness, sit down to discuss mental health and suicide prevention. This episode talks openly about suicide, which is important, but we also recognize that listening to this episode may bring up some tough emotions. If so, please talk to a trusted family member, friend, or local support service in your area. Hello, my name is Celie Walton. My husband and I had two beautiful boys. Jason was born in 1975 and Curtis was born in 1977. They were healthy, energetic children, but when the later teenage years hit, both of my sons were affected and diagnosed with a mental illness. Kurt, who was our youngest son, was the first to be diagnosed. When he was 15 years old, he attempted suicide by taking an overdose of Tylenol. He was hospitalized for five weeks. We were totally mystified and just didn't know where this came from, although we had seen mood changes in him over the prior months. And it turns out that he was discovering that he was gay and he was afraid to tell us. And that was why he said he attempted the first suicide. He was released from the hospital on medication. We switched him to a private school where he would get a lot more support because he had been bullied by students in the public school who were suspecting his, uh, that the fact that he was gay. In the private school, he did really well, although he did have one or two more suicide attempts. He graduated and went on to college at Berlin College in Indiana. And as long as Kurt was medicated, he did well. His diagnosis was bipolar disorder. But over his college years, he did have several suicide attempts. He received so much support at the college that support from the professors and friends. And that is one of the reasons that we knew Erlam was the right place for him because of the support that he would receive. After he graduated from Erlam, he was given the opportunity for a free ride at Brimar College to work on his PhD in math. And he had gone off his medicine the summer before he started at Brimar. His doctor, my husband and I, tried to get him to go back on the medicine. He had a breakdown in early September and was hospitalized twice. Brimar College, we got a letter from the dean of the program and the dean said we will work with Curtis no matter what his situation we were aware before we accepted him that he had mental health issues and so Kurt when he was ready to go back to Bryn Mawr, it was early November he went back on a Wednesday and he actually did some uh, taught a math class 
he came home Wednesday night and told my husband and I how thankful he was that we had seen him through all of this and that he was really happy. And then Thursday and Friday he crashed and we just told him, just stay in bed. You don't have to go back down to Bryn Mawr today. Friday morning, my husband went to work. I went to work. And um, Kurt went out and bought a gun. And he shot himself sometime that morning. My husband came home at lunchtime to check on him and found Curtis. Our older son, Jason, was asleep in the basement and heard a noise but didn't um, realize what was happening. And uh, that's Kurt's story. Again, his diagnosis was, was bipolar disorder. And what got him through his school years was the support he received from the schools that he was attending. That was 1999 when Kurt left us. He was first diagnosed in 1992. He, for the most part, did really well on medicine. It was only when he didn't follow the program he had problems. Jason was two years older than Kurt, and he started showing signs of mental illness when he was in his first year of college. He was going to Penn State Hazleton. We didn't realize how bad it was until maybe the second year at Penn State. And he stopped going to classes sometime in the spring. He came home and he said he wasn't going back and he wasn't able to work. And um, we just couldn't get him to see a doctor. We couldn't get him to tell us what, was, what he was thinking, what was on his mind. He was really shut down and would not speak to anyone. Finally, one evening, oh, maybe in, first of all, this Jason dropped out of college in 1995. So maybe a couple years later, Jason still had not really progressed or would accept any help we offered. And so we decided to take him down to Friends Hospital in Philadelphia because my husband and I are Quakers and Friends Hospital is a Quaker hospital. We took him down to Friends Hospital. He was there for a couple days, and the doctor was really confused about what diagnosis to give him, but thought that he should be in a day program back in the Lehigh Valley. So Jason came back to the Lehigh Valley and attended a day program. We could not get him to take the medication that was prescribed. He wasn't very um, participatory in the program, and he just really was reclusive and silent about what was going on. This went on for several years. He had odd jobs occasionally, and he occasionally 
when he felt okay would um, sign for sign up for a class at Northampton Community College. He completed a couple classes there, and um, after he had enough credits for his associate's degree, he decided to take one course at a time at Moravian. He was basically living in our rec room in our basement and did not have a social life and didn't really talk to my husband and I very much and just um, would go to the classes. I think that's all he had the energy for. He was supported by the professors here at Moravian to an incredible degree. And I didn't actually realize to what degree until after Jason had left us and some of the professors told us how they had wanted to work with Jason and help him move forward. He completed all of his classes except for his internship and the folks at Quaker Meeting that were professors at Moravian were willing to work with him to create a program that he could feel like he could complete, but he just couldn't do it. So Jason's diagnosis was major depression with psychosis. And he would seem fine. And then all of a sudden, he would just change. To, to let you give you an example of that, uh, when Kurt was still with us, one night we were eating dinner in the kitchen, my husband, myself, Jason and Kurt, and we had corn on the cob. And all of a sudden, Jason got up and started throwing corn on the cob around the kitchen. And we just had no idea where it came from. Another time, Jason was down in the rec room and he came up to me and he was just looked like he was ready to burst. And he said, Mom, I have to break something. I said, Jason, do what you have to do to release whatever it is you're holding in. He went downstairs, he got a lamp, he took it out in the backyard, he broke the lamp, and then he was a different person. So the next day he went out and he bought us a lamp, and of course he apologized. And But I'm just giving you examples of how psychosis can come on so quickly, and some people need a release. Jason was 36 years old. He was on finally on a medication that he agreed to take that was a miracle drug for him. It was called Palazzaril. He had been on that medicine for about a year and a half. He was starting to have a little social life, starting to agree to go out to dinner with my husband and I. But at that time, he was living in a community residence where he could be watched around the clock and, and, and um, be given the medication when he needed it. So a couple months before he left us, the medication he was taking had to be monitored monthly with a lab test. And the test, I'm, I'm going to say in October of the year before he left us, showed that his white blood cell count had gone down so drastically that they 
had to take him off this medicine immediately. When you're on this medicine, there's a national registry. And so no doctor will ever put you back on the medicine if you have this life-threatening reaction to it. So Jason's whole system went into a tailspin. And the doctors that were working with him at the time tried to get him on the right cocktail of medications that would help him as much as the Clozaril helped him. And after trying for about eight months, Jason, we believe, just couldn't fight it anymore. And he also shot himself in our in the rec room of our home. He had several hospitalizations, and they were helpful to a point. Jason was so different than Kurt because he didn't communicate with us. So what I did when Jason would have his monthly doctor's appointments, and because of the HIPAA laws, I couldn't speak directly with the doctor. I would just fax what we had seen in the month before the doctor's appointment. I would send a fax to the doctor. He wouldn't have to respond to me. I just wanted that information in Jason's file because it would be quite different from what Jason would tell the doctor. Jason would just go in and the doctor would say, how are you? And Jason would say, I'm fine. So two different children, two different diagnoses, and two different ways of handling what was happening to them. There's sometimes a genetic component to this illness, and someday we'll know what really happened to our children. But for now, I just trust that they are now part of our greater universe, sharing their love with all of us, because they were really super loving kids. Thank you. Thank you. Um for sharing your story with us. I'm curious, Seely, why you feel it's important to share Jason and Kurt's story. Well, the first reason that comes to mind is, so other parents and loved ones that are dealing with a mental health issue know that they're not alone and that there is a lot of help out there. And I learned from other people's stories that I wasn't alone. Although when both of our boys were diagnosed, people weren't really speaking out about mental health issues. And the first person that I can remember speaking out about it was actually Patty Duke, who had a severe case of bipolar disorder. And um, I was so grateful that she shared her journey with us. And now, today, we have lots of people speaking out, and it can only help the folks that are suffering with this illness or family of illnesses. Also, there's a healing component for me in speaking out, and but the main reason really is, is to help other people maybe learn something from our story that will help them go forward and help their loved ones. Absolutely. Thank you. 
I think uh, you're absolutely right that other people hearing your story uh, not only can help them if they're going through this experience, but also I think it's helpful for folks in our community to know if they haven't seen something like this before, that it is happening, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we talk a lot at Moravian about all of the resources that we have available. It sounds like you found very similar support and resources at the various institutions that your boys went to. Um, and I think that a lot of times when we talk about those things, people are thinking, well, that's not for me, right? I won't run into that. Um, or they'll see something and write it off as something else, mm -hmm. right? It, it can't be that. And mm -hmm. so to really tell these stories in the level of detail and, and vulnerability that you've chosen to do here, um, I'm really grateful. And I know the folks that are going to listen to this are going to be really grateful um, for that. So thank you. Thank you. I, um, through a friend, got involved in our National Alliance on Mental Illness, our Lehigh Valley chapter. And my husband and I took the family to family course, which is for loved ones who are experiencing a mental illness in, in their children or their brother, sister, parents. And it was at that time, it was a 12 week course, one night a week. And I learned so much from that course that I wanted to teach it. So I took the training and I taught the course. That course still is available. Our uh, local NAMI has other courses available, courses for folks that actually are diagnosed with a mental illness. Uh, they have courses for um, professionals and they have so many support groups. So if you're interested in learning more about this organization, you can check out their website. It's a very comprehensive website. And if you still have questions, you can call the number on the website because we have a local office in Bethlehem at 802 West Broad Street. And we serve Lehigh County, Northampton County, and some of the counties north of us that do not have uh, a local nominee. But some folks get involved from Carbon County, Monroe County. One of the programs that I am particularly grateful for in Northampton County is the Crisis Intervention Program, which started in the year 2012. And it was started by the Northampton County Mental Health folks. And this is um, training for first responders when a 911 call is uh, initiated and there's a, um, a person that has a mental illness involved. We wanna make sure that that person that has the mental illness gets treatment rather than incarceration. And since 2012, we have trained many police officers, correction officers at the Northampton County Jail, sheriffs, uh, EMS folks, and that program is healthy. In fact, it's so healthy that the county now has devoted a part-time person to the program uh, who works 20 hours a week to keep the program going. 
And this has just happened recently. Another program that I'm interested in and go to uh, the meetings to make sure I stay up with what's happening is the Northampton County Reentry Program. And that's a program for folks that are incarcerated in Northampton County Jail and are being uh, uh, released into the community. Uh, to we make sure that they have the services they need, such as housing, clothing, shelter, a job, whatever they're ready for, we try to help them with and also get them support services because many times there is a mental health issue for these folks. So your uh, involvement and engagement in the community is really inspiring. Thank you again. Um, I'll talk a little bit about some of the resources that we have here at Moravia. And I think the first one that comes to mind is our counseling center, um, which is at 1307 Main Street. Um, and we have five full-time counselors on staff, as well as master's and doctoral level graduate interns that also uh, see our students, um, as well as access to psychiatric services. So students who have engaged with our counseling center and then have a need to start medication or see a psychiatrist um, can be connected that way as well. Um, we also have our counselors on call for crisis uh, intervention as needed uh, throughout the academic year. And we also partner with Northampton County and Lehigh County crisis lines um, as a backup to that as well. I think as a community though, uh, I think about our SHARE process and SHARE stands for Student Help and Referral. Um, and this is a process that involves our entire community looking out for one another. And again, it's why I really appreciate you sharing your story so that folks can understand this is real, this happens, it happens on college campuses and it happens on this college campus. Um, and so like the TSA, we say, if you see something, say something. Um, and the SHARE process allows for anyone, whether they're a member of our community or not, to let us know that they're concerned about somebody, that they've observed a change in behavior, that they've uh, observed them in emotional distress, um, even a mention of suicide or suicide ideation, that that information comes to us um, and we can work cross uh, institutionally um, with folks from a variety of departments to understand what resources best uh, needed right now, most needed right now, and how can we best support this person. Um, that includes um, hospitalization, post-hospitalization, students returning um, to our community as a result of either um, inpatient or outpatient uh, treatment that they've received. I am so grateful to hear about your SHARE program because students are probably the first ones to recognize a change in their fellow student, or sometimes professors as well, but a lot of folks out there that have a mental illness really are loners. And if you see somebody that's alone, that's not included, that it's really important to draw them in. This is really good news for me to hear this. All of the um, things that Moravian is doing to help folks and to look out for folks with mental health issues, really, it touches my heart because we all have to take care of one another. And this is pretty basic for, in my way of thinking, but maybe needs to be put out there 
so other folks can be made aware of it. And sitting someone, seeing someone alone eating or maybe even crying, it's really important to reach out to that person and see if they want somebody to talk to. Let other folks know that they can watch out for that person as well. And this is really good news for me. Silly, this is another reason why I really appreciate your story, because it's all about um, minimizing the stigmatization, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That we see that behavior and it may make us uncomfortable, but know that lots of people are going through that Mm -hmm. and reaching out is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. That when somebody comes and shares something with you, that they want help. That's why they're sharing it, Mm -hmm. right? And I do think it's important for our community to know, faculty, staff, and students, that this team exists. And you should let us know if you're concerned about somebody. You should let us know if they've shared something with you. You don't really want to be the only person who knows that information. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to get it to to a group that's qualified to offer the most support possible. Um, And I often think that folks assume that when somebody shares something personal with them, that they don't want them to tell anybody else. And I think it's okay to check in mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know, you're sharing some things with me that are that are pretty heavy. And I, I think I know some people who could help. Is it okay with you if I connect you with them? Um, folks are usually going to say yes. That's why they that's why they're talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really important to know that the share team treats the information we receive privately and respectfully. Um, We're not going to go tell lots of other people, right? We're only going to activate the resources that are going to be helpful. Um, And that's what it's all about here at Moravian and in this community. On campus, where can uh, people find information on that? Sure. So the share form can be found at moravian.edu slash share, which is pretty easy to remember. I always tell folks if they can't remember where to find the forms to go into any bathroom on campus and on your way out, there's a poster that says, how do I report an incident? And there's even a QR code, um, which will link right to all of the forms. And there are a number of different ways to share information concerning information with us. If um, somebody is looking at that and not sure which form to use, just pick one. That's the nice thing about being in a small community like Moravian. We'll make sure it gets to the right people. I just have one more thing to add. As a parent, if I was sending my loved one off to college and was aware of maybe some mental health issues that were concerning or that might um, come to light during their college years, I would be so grateful to know about these programs at Moravian. From the bottom of my heart, thank you both Mm -hmm. so much for sharing your story. constantly impressed with the information that we receive from our community, the things that especially our students, as you said, notice and know how to activate the right resources, know how to get that information forward. Um, And also, you know, with students who may be struggling with um, social interactions, right? And again, somebody might look at that and say, well, that's weird, that's strange behavior. But our students, they don't. Right. They wrap around those students and they help them and they, they're they there for them. And um, it's just really, really great to see. Moravian's a good place to be. This, this service that we now have is, should be on every college campus. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah.